Well, that was so much fun yesterday. I thought we'd do it again. Today is part two of my conversation with Bronson Arroyo. Today, it's going to be a little bit more Red-centric as we look back on the season. Bronson's going to tell you why he did not think that this season was a disappointment. And we're going to talk about the player disputes with the owners and everything coming up with this labor dispute and CBA. And and I, I wanted to get a player's perspective from that from Bronson as we look at this. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. As a reminder, Locked On Reds is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're following us right here on your favorite podcasting app. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. They're changing the way that we talk sports. All right, let's get back into my chat with Bronson. You are Locked On Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I kind of wanted to talk to you about the season a little bit for the Reds, like kind of in retrospective what happened, because there's two ways to look at it. For most people, we kind of wanted the Reds to be in the playoffs this year. We thought that they had the talent and they were going to be able to stretch it and make it to the playoffs. But then there's also the aspect, because that's a little bit disappointing. That but then there's the also aspect, it's the fifth best record they've had since the turn of the century. So when you look at this season, how do you sum it up? As From the perspective of, I know what it's like and how hard it is to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a success, hands down. Okay. I, mean, I mean, I know the fans don't want to hear that, because at the end of the day, you know, it's... It's almost like you know you're disappointed if the, if if your team doesn't win the World Series, and that's that that that's what a fan is supposed to want. Yeah, you know, but but realistically, you've got one one of thirty teams wins it every year. You know, watching the game the other night, and they said something like, I mean, you know, the Braves won the, the division fifteen times and years in a row when they had Greg Maddox and those guys, right? And they said something I thought last night where they said this is the tenth time the Braves Braves have gone to the World Series in the history of their team mm-hmm. i mean the braves have been one of the winningest teams since i've been alive and they've only been to the world series 10 times in the history of the game right you know how many times do you get to the to the big dance it doesn't happen that often you can't expect it um you know every third year every fifth year you can't even expect it every 20 years it's just you know it's it's got to be your time. It's got you got to have a little bit of luck on your side. You've got to have the guys stay healthy. You've got to have the ball bounce your way, and you've got to have a damn good ball club as well. And I, I personally think that you know baseball is the toughest, the toughest sport to make the playoffs in. A lot of other sports like uh, hockey, they allow you know much more bigger percentage of the of the teams of the league get into the playoffs every year. And in baseball, we don't have that even with the wild card game. And so for me, if you're one of the eight teams. That is in the playoffs. You have done your job. You, we set out in spring training in February, and it's such a long road. And if you can just get in the playoffs, to me, you've done your job. If you get knocked out of the playoffs, you know it just wasn't your time. And, and, and a team that was better than you on those giving de- on that given you know week um, right. just beat you. But um, so for me, the red season was an absolute success. I mean, you saw you, they kept us in it all year. They kept us intrigued. Joey Votto showed a different side of himself that we know he can probably hold up for the next two or three years. Um, you know, the pitching staff he didn't start off very good. Obviously, Louis Castillo, if he gets off to a better start, the team probably wins six or seven more games. Maybe they do make the playoffs. But these guys made it fun. I, You know, that that's yeah. the best t- team and the best season they've had since 2013 when, when we lost to the Pirates in that, in that, uh, 
in that wild card game. And, and um, that is, you know, that's the realistic point of view. If, you know, if you want to, if you want a team to win a world series or even to get deep in the playoffs, it's just, you know, I, I, I watched the Red Sox the other night and, you know, I'm going to have a conversation probably with Christian Arroyo at some point and say, Hey man, there's nothing to hold your head down about because at the end of the day, you, 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 you've tasted what it's like to be deep in a playoff run. Right. And there's a lot of guys like Ken Griffey Jr. played for 20 years and never got to taste that. And, you know, a lot of guys who played the game don't have a world series ring. And, you know, we're talking about Dusty. He's been managing forever. And he and he's never been into a World Series as a manager until now, and so um, you got to take you, you you do you take you know the team that you've assembled in the beginning of the year. You do the best you can, and if you can be you know hunting for a playoff spot in the last ten days of the season, you know to me that's a, that's an exciting year. It's a fun year for the Cincinnati Reds. They brought some magic back to the ballpark. And if they can parlay that into next year and give us that same type of excitement, they have hands down done their job. Now, if you go another three or four or five years now and you don't even have a chance to compete in the division, then it doesn't feel like it was for real. And hopefully that doesn't happen. I know for you personally, you got to be in the booth a little bit for the Reds and Indian series. Are you going to do any more of that next year? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Usually I just get a text message from... Uh, Karen Forgus, who's, you know, in the front office there and she put some of that stuff together and she asked me if I want to do some stuff. And, um, I think I did a pregame show with Sam LeCure, um, you know, uh, just near the end of the season, I was going in to watch a ball game at the end. It was probably the last, it was already after they seemed like they had already been out of it after they lost the pirate series. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I stop in when I get a chance and, and do some of that stuff. I'd love to do a little bit more, but I'm always so busy. It's, it's hard sometimes to pin down a day or, or three days to go, to go do that. But, it, you know, it's it's always fun to talk baseball to to watch baseball especially if you know something personal about the guys. Now, as the team slowly dismantles and the 10 to 12 to 15 guys that were in that locker room this this year that I know on a personal level when they're all gone, it makes it a little harder, you know. It's like you can watch guys on TV um, you know, I can you can watch a Mustakas play, but I don't really know him. And it's hard to really see underneath the hood and behind the veil of a guy in his, in his persona that he has on TV. If you don't know him inside that locker room. And that's what I really loved about being around the game is still knowing some of these guys and why I feel connected to the reds, because I was here for such a long time that I know a lot about some of the young players, but uh, we'll see, you know, as years go on, I mean, you never know. I Barry Larkin probably never thought he'd be in the booth and, and he is. So you never know what could happen. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news and rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all mobile devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB or you know NFL or NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you will find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. That's the Spotify Green Room app. They're changing the way that we talk sports.
Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Coming up here, I'm talking to Bronson about the offseason and how a player views what the front office does. Is it something that really weighs on their mind? Kind of talking about this offseason, there's something that kind of we looked at the fans' perspective on the playoffs versus a winning season during the regular season. A lot of fans are worried that the front office isn't going to do anything, that there's not going to be any movement. As a player, when you saw a year that you're like, man, it feels like we were probably a couple wins away from really blowing this thing wide open. If they go out and they do X, Y, Z next year, we're ready to go. Right. Did you have that mentality or was it kind of a, I'm worried about, you know, making sure that I'm good during the off season and prepared for the next year. I mean, for the most part, you're worried about yourself. I mean, you know, especially being a starting pitcher, you know, staying healthy for, you know, 20 years like I did is almost impossible without thinking about it almost 365 days a year. I mean, it it just wasn't happenstance that that happened to me. You know, it was a lot of forethought about your rest and your nutrition and your workouts and how you're going to, you know, survive this grind and, and stay healthy. So I would say the majority of it would be that. You obviously would want the front office to go out and add a key piece you know, whether we needed a closer or maybe a power hitting guy playing left field or something, you would want that. But, you know, is something very strange in baseball? I I would say it's probably that way in every sport. It's probably that way in every industry. I mean, it's hard to get the people who own the businesses to open up their books. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost impossible. I mean, I don't think, I don't think sports owners open up their books for anybody, right? They don't want people to see behind that veil. They don't want to know how much, how much money they're making, um, because then, you know, the, obviously the players would have more leverage to ask for more money. And, and that being said, what goes on in the front office and in those, those really tight knit meetings that the manager is not privy to, right? Right. I mean, when I would go into, to talk to Brian Price or Dusty Baker and, and, and they'd say, you know, maybe, Hey, what's the front office telling you? Are they going to sign you back for another couple of years? I'm asking Dusty the same thing and he doesn't know what's going on with me and I don't know what's going on with him. And we're both just kind of going through our agent trying to figure out what the organization wants to do. You would think that a manager who's been there for multiple years, like a Dusty Baker would be inside the meetings and he'd be saying, Hey, if we have the money, I want Sin Shu Chu on this ball club next year. I need Joey Votto signed for two more seasons. I want Bronson Arroyo for two more, even though you think he's getting old, whatever it is, those conversations are not happening with baseball people. That's just business people. And because of that, you don't know what's going on inside the organization. So, you know, if they don't go out and sign a big piece, maybe Phil Castellini could sit here and have this podcast with you and he could explain to you what's going on and he could tell you why it is they do do and don't sign certain guys. And in years, if they actually lost money or if they didn't lose money or, you know, what their break even point is or how they view the game when it comes to ownership and how much money they need to make. Right. And then and then how much of that you're willing to spend or lose to win more baseball games, right? Nobody knows what this is. And every individual owner obviously is different in the way he thinks about it. And, and the people that are invested into that organization, how do they think about it? You know, when, when the Red Sox sit around the table, it's not just going to be one guy. It's going to be, you know, you're going to have Tom Warner there. You're going to have, you're going to have a group of people who invested in this company and they, they view it as a business. And obviously winning is a successful business for the most part, but it's really, it's, you never get a direct answer from these guys ever. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the conversation with you. So, you know, for, from a fan's perspective, you know, you want these, you want the Reds to just go out and be like, we're right on the verge. Why don't you just go get a $200 million starter? Go get Max Scherzer and let's call it a day, right? Right. That's what you want to say. 
And it would be really nice to know if that would be possible. Or if maybe maybe the guys in the front office or or in the ownership are just so greedy that they can't they can't let it go. You want to try to win with a team that that is you know undervalued. Like it's very difficult to to compete against the Los Angeles Dodgers when they have a TV deal that's worth three billion and the Reds TV deal is worth you know maybe a tenth of that if not or less, right? And so it's hard. I've had those conversations with Phil Castellini, not about the numbers, but about how hard it is to be an under market, a smaller market team and how the game is continuing to get more and more imbalanced and how hard it is to try to make the playoffs on a club like this. And there's a lot of moving parts here. And and unless, unless, like I said, that they want to be totally transparent, which no one ever does, you know, and that's the way I've lived. My life is very transparent. And I think that is the best policy, but across the board, I mean, people who make a lot of money in the world, they don't, they're never, they're never open in the books. It's, it's interesting you say that because there was that news thing that came out and it was like, I think literally earlier on Monday, ESPN reported that there's pretty much a foregone conclusion that it's going to be a lockout on December the 2nd because of all the CBA stuff and, and how far apart the owners and the union are, despite what Rob Manfred had said, I think it was probably about a month and a half ago. He tried to make some statements said that, you know, everything's peachy keen and nobody bought it. Um, what was there ever a point in your career where you had to deal with stuff like that? And, and how do you view what's coming? Because for most people who look at the sport, they understand what's coming and it's probably not going to be very good. Yeah. You know, I, I've definitely had my fair share of, of um, conversations back when Donald fear was the, was the head of our union Um you know, those were the early days for me. My first big league camp was 1997. It was the first time I sat in a, um, in a union meeting and I had no idea what I was in for. I didn't know what a union meeting meant. And when you sit there and listen to the seriousness and, and, and the bitter taste that was still in their mouth from 1994 and how many guys lost money and how much, you know, it impacts people's lives. And also, you know, from the player standpoint, how greedy the owners uh, seem to be right? That that's from our standpoint, but we obviously don't get to see the ins and outs of everything. So that's just what we're assuming. Um, you know, those meetings were eye opening, man. And that first year, I mean, they were talking about a lot of stuff that I had no idea what was going on. And as you play the game and the longer you're in the big leagues, you learn a little bit more about arbitration. You learn a little bit more about free agency. You learn a bit, a little bit more about, um, you know, things that, that can happen, uh, like collusion, or, you know, owners talking in the offseason and guys getting the same offers from multiple teams. All these things you don't think about when you're young. And so I've definitely had my fair share of the stuff. Um, we, I felt like while I was playing, we were never on the verge of a strike. Um, since 94, in my mind, I felt like the deal was always going to get done. Um, you know, since Tony Clark has taken over the union, the first, couple of, the first couple of negotiations in the first few years that have gone by have been very, very easy, you know. The owners were making a lot of money. Everybody was doing good, but COVID has thrown a curveball to people. And also there's just more information out there. As time goes on, people evolve, right? Organizations evolve. And I think players get more hip to the game and owners get more hip to the game about, you know, where, where they're losing money and where, where maybe we shouldn't be giving the players this big of a pension when they retire or whatever it is, right? There's all these, there's all these moving parts going on and each side is trying to be as efficient as they possibly can. And what that ends up being is maybe a little bit of butting heads, a little bit of a dogfight over some things. And the last couple of CBAs have been very, very easy. And people are smelling and have sensed that there's something brewing and that it's not going to be quite so easy this time. Um, you know, so it's going to be very interesting. I definitely wouldn't want to be in the prime of my career sitting at home, 
you know, on the verge of a strike. I mean, that would have, that would have driven me nuts if I had to be sitting at home while, um, you know, in 94, there's guys who were working at, at UPS and guys who were playing, you know, softball who were in a big league uniform with your big league manager in the big league locker room, getting prepared for a major league season. And all the real players for the most part were sitting out at home and have no way of crossing that line without having some sort of negative put on them as a scab for the rest of their career. Right. And, and, um, it, it would be a very, very odd, um, situation to be in and, 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 and just as odd at the minor league level, because I know guys who became scabs, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's somebody who, um, went over and played one game in spring training during the lockout as a major league player, but was affiliated with the team. And I blame the teams for that. How can you, how can you, how could you let a guy like Jim Leland, a legendary manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates come into your minor league um, complex and look at a young kid like a Bronson Arroyo and say, hey, man, I want you at the big league park tomorrow. What am I, what am I supposed to say to Jim Leland? No. Right. I, 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 you know, it's an opportunity. Yes, it's an opportunity. And, and, and it's, it's the man who I'm supposed to be playing for here in a couple of years. What's going to happen if I tell him no? So, you know, baseball and the union should have protected the, the minor league guys and said, these guys are not allowed to be picked from. You can't touch them, right? But that didn't happen. And, and you, you get guys like Kevin Millar who crossed the line for one day, took a couple of at-bats and then had his uncle call him and say, hey man, I don't think that's a good idea. Go back to the minor leagues and then for the rest of your career, not only be labeled, labeled a bad guy, but also not get union dues, not get that twenty thirty thousand $30,000 check for the next 10 years at the end of the season that everybody else was getting, you know? And so... Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff when it comes to the CBA and that is agreements with the owners. And, um, you know, I've never been in the room having those conversations and, and I'm glad, probably glad I never had to, but, um, it's going to be a very interesting off season. I was going to say those meetings don't sound like the type that have like donuts and coffee. That sounds like the type where everybody's. No, this is, this is, this is a, this is a, this is a Bill Gates divorce. I mean, this is (laughs) like two lawyers sitting on each side of each person and, you know, it's part of the reason why Tony Clark has gotten some criticism for being the head of the union, because in years past, um, Michael Weiner, um, who passed away from 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 uh, brain cancer, and he, he had he had taken over for Donald Fear. And for a lot of years, those guys were high profile lawyers. Right. And you felt like you had some sort of a leverage because they were they were just smart as a whip when it came to to business in that way. And Tony being an ex player, you know, he brings something to the table in that regard, but he doesn't bring that that lawyership, you know. On, on that side and, you, and you're dealing with a bunch of sharks here man i mean these are big dogs you're playing with right these are this is not a little petty game you're playing with and so um you know there's been some skepticism on on what's going to happen going forward because like i said the last couple of uh, agreements went went pretty smooth i mean they were they were you know the biggest thing they were arguing over in the last one was was meal money i mean in clubhouse dues I mean, that kind of stuff just didn't happen in the past. I mean, that stuff was just, you know, was just peanuts. And we're talking about some bigger issues, whether it's a salary cap or limiting free agency or whatever was going on. And at, at this point, um, you know, I think I think uh, some things are going to, you know, try to change. And, 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 and from a player's perspective is what they've always told us is that once they take something off the table, you're probably never going to get it back. Right. And that's why you, you're, you're so hard up to not give up something that's a key piece of free agency or something like that, because in the end, without that free market, then it just starts limiting guys and the, and the amount of money they're, they're allowed to make. I want to tell you guys just for a moment about Built Bar. I've been telling you about Built Bar for so long that if you haven't already jumped in on it, 
I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to Built.com today. Use the promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. I just got some delicious stuff. This this flavor is coming soon to the Built.com website. It is Paranormal Pumpkin Puff Bar. If you're a pumpkin fan, which I got to admit I am, then you're going to love this. You've got to check it out once it's on the site. I think it's coming here soon. They've also got Blueberry Muffin in the offhand things on the on deck circle coming soon there to the built.com website so get that promo code ready locked 15 save 15 percent off they've got some great new flavors that are going to be added to the likes of cherry barcia cookie dough chunk all this great stuff that you can try today at built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next Built Bar order. Elevate your snack game to the major leagues with Built Bar. And start making some cash off your sports knowledge today at betonline.ag. It is the only online sports book that I trust, and I think that you'll like what you find when you get there. Set up your profile with the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. It remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season, and there's still World Series games to bet on. You've got great prop bets going throughout the World Series. Check them out today at betonline.ag from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this upcoming 2021 basketball season, especially when we look at college basketball. That's betonline.ag and set up your profile today with the promo code locked on to get 50% added. On to your initial deposit. Makes sense. I remember them saying that that was kind of a hang-up toward the Universal DH in between because they had it in 2020, didn't have it this year. And the reason for it was the owners were like, well, we'll give you that if you give us playoffs or like expanded playoffs or something like that. I I, I forget what it is. It's going to be... It's going to be interesting to watch. And, and you made the good point. The first guy that I think of is Nick Castellanos because he's got the ability to opt out and go make more money like he deserves after that amazing year that he had. But if he makes himself a free agent and then they lock it out, then what? I mean, that would, that would suck. Right. Yeah. Um, Where do your negotiations go? Yeah. Right. I mean, you've got owners who are wanting to negotiate with players, but you've got this other big elephant in the room that you're having to deal with, which is, are we even going to play? Right. Right? And, um, you know, they haven't been close to that at all. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, and in, in this day and age, there's so many players that are in the game now that have never even, you know, been anywhere near a strike. Right. They've never felt what it's like, um, as I never did, to 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 have to be, you know, in the prime of your career, making the most money in that one specific year. And they're saying, hey, man, you're going to have to stick to your guns and stay home right. for the good of everybody else that's going to play after you. Not for you and not for your teammates, but for the guys who are going to play 20 years from now, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to stick to your guns and stay home for a while. And maybe you're not going to get paid for half of that contract. And that's, you know, with guys already not making half their salaries or, or whatever they didn't get from COVID in 2020, you know, guys have already taken a hit. And obviously owners have taken a hit too, and they're going to say the same thing. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a high stakes game of kind of, of, of chicken sometimes and see who blinks first and, um, you know, the, the good thing is, is that in baseball, the guys that really started the union back in the 70s for us were 
really did 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 us a, a, a service to put something together that could protect the players the best you possibly could given the circumstances. If you look at football, you look at hockey, you look at all these other leagues, they've been light years behind us when it comes to protecting the players in the union. And that that came from the guys who started it um, way, way back, right. um, you know, in the days when, when Koufax and, and guys were still playing on the Dodgers. I had one final question, and it's not really a small question. It's kind of a bigger one. But when you when you look at a pitcher, what tells you that he's good? I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm not a great, I'm not a great judge of, of how good a guy is in the short term. So for instance, if I go watch a high school game, I've, I've been with the guy who drafted me, right? Uh, Scott Lovecamp was my scout. He's with the, he's, he's a big dog with the Yankees. Now he scouts pitchers 365 days a year around the country, high school and college kids. He lives for it. Um, and we'll go to a game and we'll watch a high school kid and he'll say, Bronson, he's like, what do you think about this guy? And I'll be like, man, he looks fantastic, dude. What's he, he's throwing like 91, 92, right? Right side. He's got a good breaking ball. He's like, he's throwing 83 to 80, 85, man. He's like, he's terrible. This guy's barely going to play out of, out of junior college. And I'm like, my, my, I give everybody more credit than they, maybe they deserve, you know? Um, so for me personally, if I'm watching a guy just once in, a, in one game or just in a quick snapshot, it's very difficult to tell. If I sit in a dugout and I'm watching a guy every fifth day and I can watch him for a little while, give me a couple of months with him and I can watch how he reacts in all these different situations and also what kind of guy he is inside the locker room tells me a lot, right? And to find out how gritty a guy is, does, does he kind of cave when the pressure gets on? Does he rise to those occasions like a Sonny Gray in the big moments? Um, you know, is he really consistent with his workouts? You know, what does he think about food? How much does he like to party? Um, there's all these factors that go into kind of figuring out somebody's character and it's like I'm going to figure out your character and then I'm going to figure out what your character is on the mound and when I put those two things together it's going to tell me about what kind of season you could have year after year after year or if you're not capable of that and that is where I really think I will um, dial it down and if I if I had to say one thing that makes a guy good it for me personally it's consistency it's very rare to get a guy you know guys I played with let's say um you know, a very regimented, uh, Mike Leake was very regimented. I was very regimented. And it's why you look at our career and it's kind of, you know, just very flat line. There's not these huge up and downs where you win 21 games and then you're hurt for two years. You just, you know, you're winning 12, 13, 14 games every year and just nice and consistent. And maybe you're not, you know, you're never going to be a number one or number two in the game, but you know what you're going to get out of us. Right. But then you take a guy like Edinson Volquez and, and, and if I watch Edinson, you know, he's, He's working out unbelievably hard sometimes and then sometimes just missing his workouts. You know, there's times where he's sitting in the dugout during the game when he's in between innings. Other times I go up, up top and he's eating a bag of Doritos in the middle of the, uh, of the game while he's pitching, right? And so you've got this kind of um, erratic behavior in a lot of ways and, and a lot of times then that, that shows in the consistency of who they are as a major league player, not for one specific season, but over the long haul in the back of their baseball card. And so... Um, that, that, that generally is what I would be looking at for a guy. But if you're just talking about just pure, like physical ability, what makes a guy good? Um, I, I would just dial it down to this. If I was sifting a, a pitcher down, the best pitchers in the game have, um, an idea of where to throw the ball and how to make a consistent shape with the ball. 
right? So if you're if you're talking about uh, if you're talking about a sinker, right? A good sinker is supposed to go down and into a right hander. That's where you get a lot of ground balls. So you're throwing a fastball that's going down and in just a little bit. If you throw it down and in, and it kind of goes if it goes straight down one time, and then the next time it just goes straight across into his belt. If you're kind of that erratic with your command, even the shape of the pitch, you have less likely of a chance to be really good. The guys who are really good know how to make a certain shape with the pitch and they know how to throw strikes with it. When you pair those two things together, you get a really consistent starter. You pair that with a guy who can do that with great stuff like a Pedro Martinez or a Garrett Cole, that's when you get a true number one and a true superstar and somebody who has the ability to win, you know, 60% of his games. Nice. Because I I always think I'm like, man, it feels like Castillo and Gray, like it it feels like the talent's there and it just there's something that's a disconnect to really having them being in that upper echelon of the league because I, f- I felt like they could be. And, and I know that Castillo really struggled to begin this year and, and he had an amazing comeback in the second half of the right. year the way that he performed. But you just right. look at those first two months and you're like, man, and kind of like you said, it's the up and the down. Right. And, and what is he going to do to fix that next year? Right. Well, part, part of the problem, part of the problem is that, is that the faster you drive a car, the harder it is to, to control. Yeah. Right. And so as you're getting guys these days, everybody's throwing so hard. You take Castillo, you know, he's throwing the ball up to hundred miles an hour. And if you look at Sonny Gray, a lot of his pitches are max effort. Mm-hmm. Even if he's not throwing up around a hundred, but you really hear him grunting, he's getting after it almost with every pitch. When you do that, you're, you're taking a little bit of your command away. The, the closer you get to putting the pedal all the way to the metal, your command is going to be off a little bit. Mm. And that's basically what happens. So in order to be really consistent command-wise, you're going to have to dial it back just a bit. And so if you can dial it back just a bit and have that that better command over the consistent haul that, you know, of the whole season, you can then start closing in on some of those gaps, which means maybe you take away the ability to um, have those huge outings when you give up eight runs in two innings, right? You can maybe pull those back and you don't have so many of those. Um, and then you take a guy like Louie who almost you know, found a way to have a sub four ERA with that terrible start. But now if he does what I'm talking about, maybe you push that all the way down to where he, he has that two eight ERA. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking in that Kershaw land where he lived for his whole career. Right. And, and so, you know, there's, there's a give and take between stuff and command. And that's basically the two moving parts inside of a starting pitcher. And a lot of times guys are really fearful of getting outs without their best stuff. And so guys are always going max effort all the time. And you're just, you're, you're, you're lacking a little bit of command. It's what made Greg Maddox absolutely genius was that he just pitched inside of softer, 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 which just made his command that much better. He wasn't obviously deeper in the game you're not getting tired you feel just as fresh in the seventh thing as you did in the second you know there's a lot of a lot of dominoes that that get saved um by by pulling back just a little bit but there's not a lot of guys who feel like they can get away with that you know just mentally in their mind they don't want to get beat with second rate stuff you almost have to convince yourself that i can get outs with less and when you do that then i think you start parlaying Um, instead of, you know, only pitching five and two thirds every single night for the whole season, you're now into the seventh inning every night. You know, I mean, I I had, I did not have anywhere near extraordinary stuff. Like I had very decent stuff, pretty good command and a probably above average breaking ball. But if anybody looked at my stuff, they'd probably tell you that Bronson pitched five years in the big leagues, two of them as a starter, three in the bullpen and he was done. Right. That that's the kind of stuff I had. And, um, you know, I, I averaged, if you take from the day I started in the minor leagues, I'm 18 years old, take every start from 18 all the way to age 40 mm. and divide up the innings pitched by, by um, 
those games, I averaged six and a third innings my whole career. So I was in the seventh inning every single night. And for guys like Louis Castillo, who have way better stuff than me and Sonny Gray, there's no reason why they can't make that happen all the time. Part of it, obviously, is that managers are pulling guys a little quicker these days because bullpens are more powerful. But but at the end of the day, you know, it's there. They've got the stuff to be able to do it. It's just a matter of putting those pieces together to, to go from, you know, a solid, you know, you know, number two to being a, a true ace of the game. You know, um, if you look at Clayton Kershaw's numbers, it, um, his numbers are so much better right. than a guy like Louis Castillo. But stuff wise, they're, they're just as comparable. I mean, Louis probably has better stuff. But 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 Clayton has this way of being consistent with his shape and his command over a long haul, and he just knows how to beat guys. Always appreciate getting the chance to talk with Bronson about baseball. I could do it all day, but I know he's got stuff to do, and frankly, I got stuff to do too. But I mean, I mean, it'd be amazing if I just had a whole day to talk baseball with Bronson Arroyo. So it's great when he comes on the podcast and gives us a few minutes of his time to do so. And uh, that was a great talk, kind of wrapping it all up. We talked about Dusty yesterday as the World Series is getting going here, and the idea of the way that the players kind of view these negotiations and what they have to deal with with the players' union. Not only the fact that you've got the players union fighting the owners, but there's plenty of players within the union that they just want to play baseball. And honestly, as fans, that's all we want to, we just want baseball. So hopefully these negotiations don't take that long and we'll get baseball and we won't have to have a delay. That, that that's there's more to come from that there's more news so much more news that's going to be coming from that we'll keep you covered every day here on the locked on reds podcast thanks again for making us your first listen make sure that you're following the podcast that way you can make me your first listen every day talking about some good red stuff during the off season because there's never a day out of this year or next year or any year for that matter that i don't want to talk about the reds coming up tomorrow i got an idea and i I got to give a shout out to my friend Dave. He gave me this idea to kind of go around the diamond and take a look at each position and whether or not the Reds will get comparable or even better performances at that position next year. That's coming up on tomorrow's podcast. But thanks again for listening to today's. Now go check out the Locked On MLB podcast as Sully has all of your World Series coverage. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.